Any of you ever seen the show that's called My Lottery Dream Home on HGTV? Anybody seen that? I absolutely, I've never watched the show. Absolutely hate the commercial for the show, okay? I don't know if you've seen that. I wish I could show it to you because then I could explain just how much I dislike that commercial. But the, the picture you saw sort of gives you a hint of what it's all like, right? It's okay, I won the lottery, so now I've got to go out and buy a new house and it's going to be, you know, gold-plated, right? Okay? And I personally, maybe you love it if you do, that's awesome for you, okay? But me personally, I cannot imagine enjoying watching that show because it's just watching super rich people spend their money. That is not exciting to me, okay? I'm never gonna need a lottery dream home because I don't play the lottery, so I probably won't win, will I, okay? But somebody does, and they find a way to spend all that money, usually all that money and a little more, and they end up miserable. But that's that, you know, again, if you play the lottery, I'm not here to beat you up, okay? But here's the thing I think that show is symptomatic, and it shows, you know, what happens when we watch this stuff? What do we want? We want more, don't we? We want what everyone else has. They've got way more money than we have, and we feel like if we had that kind of money, we would be happy too. It leads to a real sense of dissatisfaction with what we've got, with what God has blessed us with, okay? And, and this can happen in lots of ways. We can watch car shows where people have cars that are nicer than anything we're going to have or house shows or shows that make us jealous of other people's family or spouse or whatever it is, we find ways to be dissatisfied with what God has given us. And the thing is, when, it, when we begin to focus on that, man, we're focused on that word that's on the screen right there, status. Okay, we post our status to social media. We think about the status that money gives us or family gives us or clothes gives us or cars or whatever it is you're into. It gives us status. And we want something more than what we have. Okay? And it focuses things, focuses in on things that really are unimportant in the grand scheme of things, but at the moment seem like they are the most important thing. So we're in the midst of this series that I'm calling Status. And we're thinking about how we understand God, how we understand what God has given us, and find some satisfaction in the things that God has already given us rather than wanting something more. Now, when we get focused in on the stuff, I think it's really easy for us to have one of two reactions, okay? One reaction is we want to compete. We want more, more than we have, more than the people around us have, and so we pursue it. What does that mean? That means we're going to have to work more, right? means we're going to have to do more to make more money. We're going to have to invest in different ways. I'm going to get more than I have. And that's that whole sense of what I've got today is never enough. Enough is never enough. I always want a little bit more, right? And that's a really common thing because... And I like the, the money that I have and the stuff that that money will buy. And so if I had a little more money, then I'd just be a little happier. Okay? Really common reaction for lots of people. I just want more. And in fact, our culture's based on that, right? I mean, that's what most advertising appeals to is our desire for more than what we have today. Okay? And so we pursue it. 
And that's one really common reaction. The other really common reaction is that we worry about losing what we have, right? I've got this and, and I've got a little more than I used to have, but what if I lose it? What if something happens? What if it disappears? What if I don't have the stuff that I have right now? What's my life going to be like then? And so we, we focus in on the worry. We focus in on what happens if I don't have what I have today. And so in some ways, if this might be a little bit later in life, we go, man, it was easier when I didn't have anything, right? Then I didn't have to think about it. Then I didn't have to worry about losing it. And so we're never really happy, are we? Money is powerful. It's pervasive in our culture. We're always taught that a little more would be better and to worry about what if we lose it. And so we have to find some way to gain some perspective on, on this. And to do that, I want us to turn to some teaching from Jesus. And we find it in Luke chapter 12 that I think does help us gain perspective on our money, gain perspective on our stuff, and help us deal with our desire for increased status. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus is teaching a large group of people. And it seems like what happens is there's just this guy who stands up in the middle of Jesus' teaching. Maybe Jesus had paused Maybe Jesus was changing subjects or somehow this guy thought it was okay to stand up and ask Jesus to deal with a personal matter. So the guy stands up and says, Jesus, I want you to decide the inheritance that I have sort of tied up with my brother. So my dad's died and I want you to deal with his estate for me. Now that's a little bit of an odd request, isn't it? In the middle of this very public setting, this guy stands up and says, Jesus, I want you to settle this dispute that I've got with my brother. Now, what's a little strange is, is that the laws were pretty well settled. I mean, it was clear how a father's estate was to be divided between his sons. Now, occasionally there was some strange situation, a family dynamic that wasn't addressed by all the rules of inheritance. So it would be occasional, but but not normal for there to be that many questions. What's also interesting is there seems to be no sign of the brother, does there? You've got this one guy who wants Jesus to settle the estate, but, but his brother doesn't seem to be present. And so what is this guy really saying? Jesus, I want you to decide in my favor, right? Jesus, I want you to, to say what I need you to say so I get the money, all right? That's what's really going on. What's Jesus' response? Luke chapter 12, verse 14. Let me turn back a page here. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter between you? It's not my job. I'm not here to, to be a mediator about estates in Israel. That's not what I came to do. In fact, Leon Morris, a great commentator on the book of Luke, says it this way, Jesus came to bring people to God, not to bring property to people. I like that, right? That's what Jesus is saying to this guy. Listen, this is, this is not my job. Maybe you see some wisdom in me. Maybe you like me. Maybe you think I'm going to do what you want me to do. But this is not what I'm about. I'm not going to do this. Then in verse 15, then he said to him, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. That's this guy's problem. Life does not consist 
in an abundance of possessions. Well, sometimes we're pretty sure it does. We like an abundance of possessions, don't we? We like our stuff. There's things that we collect. There's things that we like around us. Things that make us comfortable. Things that make us happy. We like an abundance of possessions. And here Jesus is saying, nope. That's really not what it's all about. And my guess is, this guy who asks Jesus this question in this very public setting, hey, he didn't want to hear this either. He didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say about possessions. And he didn't want to be reminded that this is really all about greed. Now, to back all this up and sort of drive his point home, Jesus told a story. He says this farmer, and he's had this amazing harvest. And in fact, it's so big that his barns are too small to hold all the grain, so the man builds bigger barns to hold the grain. And some of you are saying, what's wrong with that, right? That seems like a good deal. Got a good year, either in farming or any other business. And so we're just going to have a bigger bank account, a bigger barn, whatever it takes to hold our wealth. What's wrong with that? Jesus says it this way in verse 19. He's saying, he's using the voice of this man in his story. And the man says to himself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. You see, there's the problem. Is the attitude toward his wealth. The attitude of abundance of possessions. What could you do in an abundance of possessions? Well, maybe you could do something for other people, right? Maybe you could invest it in such a way that would bless someone other than yourself. But this guy's idea is, let me gather in all the stuff I can get. Let me get as much as I can get, and then I can sit back and do Nothing, right? And really just, like I'm not going to do anything more with my life. I'm just going to sit back and, and just coast. And that never seems to be a biblical picture of what life is about, does it? We never see God call anyone to just sort of relax. Just just don't really worry about doing anything with your life. I mean, you've, you've done enough. Just chill. It never seems to be in Scripture. Jesus calls people to do something. To take their life and make it matter. To have a mission to accomplish something. Maybe it's in work or maybe it's in ministry. Maybe God places a call on a life. He does that over and over again. And this guy says, I'm, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to sit around. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? That says, you think you've, You've got it made. You've spent your life accumulating stuff for a day when you can sit down and do nothing. You've made yourself super busy so you can gather a bunch of stuff and do nothing. 
Don't you see you've, you've missed the whole point, right? You've spent your life accumulating and now you don't even get to use it because your life is now over. That can happen so easy. We can spend life trying to get what we want and then by the time we got it, we got no life to enjoy it. That's what Jesus is, what Jesus is saying here. He had wasted his life. Verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So is money evil? No. Scripture never says that. Are possessions evil? Scripture never says that either. Here's the problem right there. Storing things up for ourselves, but we're not rich toward God. We like to think my money is my money, right? It's mine. I worked hard for it. I earned it. And what Jesus is reminding us is my money, it's not really my money. It's God's money. Because what I have is always God's. Because everything is God's. You know what I've created in this world? Absolutely nothing. Zero. It is all God's. And it's up to me to decide how am I going to use what God has given me. And this passage reminds us that when, I, when I've got what's in front of me, it's my obligation to use it in a way that pleases God. That you, Use it in a way that gives God glory, not just gives me pleasure. So first Jesus talks about accumulating wealth and tells a story to back that up and that life is not just about finding as big a bank account as we can possibly find, accumulating as much as we can accumulate. And then he turns a corner and says this in verse 22. Jesus said this to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, about your body, or what you'll wear. Easy to say, really hard to do, right? For life is more than food. And the body more than clothes. And then Jesus goes on to say, hey, listen, have you ever looked out in nature? Do the birds go around worrying about what they're going to eat? Do the flowers worry about how pretty their petals are going to be this year? God, take care of that. God takes care of that stuff. And you're the part of creation. That when God was done, he didn't say it's good. He said it's very good. God's going to take care of you. So don't worry. Don't worry about the stuff. Remember, what we usually do when we think about stuff and status is get as much as we can or worry about losing what we've got. And here in this one passage, what does Jesus do? Jesus reminds us it's not about getting all that we can. It's about using whatever we've got, whether it's a little bit or a lot, for God. 
And that worrying over losing it is not going to help because Jesus goes on to say, listen, the flowers don't worry about their petals, the birds don't worry about their seed, and, and you worrying about all that you've got, is that going to give you a minute extra in life? Nope. It's not going to happen. So here's what we learn. All right, let me, let me read one, one quick quote. William Arndt says it this way, greed can never get enough. Worry is afraid it may not have enough, right? I think that's right on. And we probably can have our feet in both camps even at times. But if we think about what we learned from this passage, to me it goes this way. Truth puts our possessions in perspective. Trust puts our possessions in perspective. Okay? It's when we learn to trust God with a lot or a little that it puts everything in perspective perspective and we understand what's really what really matters it's all about trusting God with what we have because if we think it's about accumulating for ourselves we're wrong if we think that worrying over not having enough is going to help we're wrong the, the way forward to get aside from both of those things is to just trust God that God's given us enough to live on okay that God has provided enough that doesn't mean we can abdicate our responsibility. It doesn't mean we don't have to be careful with our money. That's not what I'm talking about. This is not an investment plan. This is how we think about money, okay? How we approach money. God's given me what I need, okay? God's given me enough. Me worrying is not going to get more, okay? And me saying, God, you've not given me enough is not going to help. What I've got to do is learn that God's given me enough and that I can trust him in that. And then I take what I've got and I use it for God's glory. What does that mean? We provide for our families. It means we learn to be generous. We're going to talk about that later in this series. We give back to him what's already his. All those things are what Jesus says when he says being rich toward God. It's about trusting Trust puts our possessions in perspective. We understand where they're from. And ultimately, we understand where they're going because they're not going to stay with us. You know, I think about it this way. When I borrow something from somebody, and what I want to do is give it back, right? Because I'm, I'm always thinking, well, what if it gets broken? If I, if I have to borrow somebody's vehicle, I'm like, okay, I'm worried the whole time I've got it. Like, I don't want to get a scratch on it. I don't want anything to happen to it. I borrow a tool from somebody. I want to use it and do whatever I can to, to use that tool, whatever I borrowed it for, and get it back to them, okay? I'm thankful somebody's helped me out, but I want to give it back to them. You know what? Everything you've got, is borrowed. It's God's. It may have your name on the bank account. It may even have your social security number there. But guess what? It's God's. And so when we think about how we're going to use whatever it is God has given us, we have to remember it's borrowed. It's still His. Yeah, our name's on it temporarily, but there'll be a day when my name's not on it anymore. It'll still be God's. But for today, what I'm called to do is trust God that it's enough and use it for Him. Let's pray together.
God, help us to get perspective on our possessions by trusting you. God, we know you've given us what we need. You never promised more than that, but you've given us what we need, and we're thankful. And help us to overcome that desire for more and that temptation to worry by trusting you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the thing that God has done for us that is the most powerful, the greatest, is that he offered his son on a cross. And that changes everything for us. It changes not just our approach to money, but our approach to life. Because it says, not only is our money God's, our life is God's. Our eternity is God's. Because he paid the price in Jesus. And if you're ready to put your trust on that matter in Jesus Christ, we'd like to invite you to let us know about that. Come forward as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand again.